correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey folks, what's up? Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm Steve, and uh, over on the other side of the computer screen, that's Steve as well. Hello. And uh, we're going to talk about some RPG stuff here in a little bit, but before we do that... We've got a uh, another podcast here on the D20 Network that we'd like to talk to you about. Yeah, that is Josh Heath's podcast, Werewolf the Podcast. Yes. I've, I've called it on multiple occasions, Werewolf the Ad Podcast. <laughs> yes, and uh, Josh does a really, really good job with this. It's a kind of a retrospective podcast talking all about Werewolf the Apocalypse. I believe they started into one of the other editions not that long ago. Now, it has been a couple of months since he's released an episode, but if you remember, he's also in the middle of publishing a game right now. So, right. <laughs> you know, Josh is around and uh, I I'm sure that the podcast has not gone dark. He's also I think involved with the OP cast and yeah, lots of stuff. So, busy, busy, busy person. Yes. And actually, the last episode they released was uh, an actual play thing that, that he's been working on for a while called The World of Rage. Yeah, that's cool. Yep. Uh, very, very good show. You can find it at Keep on the Heathlands, pod, uh, something or other pod being Keep on the Heathlands, or just search Werewolf the Podcast. It's much easier to remember. Yeah, click the little link in the podcast description. Yeah, yeah. We put the links to all these other podcasts in our show notes. Um, so, yeah, you can find it that way. Um, all right. So I know we've got a couple of topics we were going to kind of throw around here today, Steve. So where do you want to start? Well, let's, let's start with probably the easiest way to start would be character progression. Okay. So you wanted to talk a little bit about character progression. So you wanted to talk about, I'm guessing probably character growth as far as role play is concerned and not necessarily how you progress mechanically, I'm guessing. Well, kind of both, really, I think. Okay, how you maybe tie the two together? Yeah, that, that's kind of, because last week we were talking about cheating, and I, I kind of got into a little thing with, you know, optimizing and, and you know, loopholing and whatever. And kind of, you know, because, look, we, you know, pull back the curtain just a half second, we do this com pretty much completely unscripted. You know, every time you, this is us riffing off the top of our heads. So a lot yeah, no, of times it's, it's not hard to, it's, it's hard to believe. And it's also simultaneously, if you're, if you're an active listener, it's not hard to believe at all. <laughs> but part of what happens, and especially for me, because I do most of the editing for the talk episodes. Now I'm listening to it going, oh, and then I could have said this and this and this. And, you know, sometimes I, I just get where like, you know, I've got more thoughts on the topic as I'm, I'm going through the episodes. And I know me talking about that in, in the context of cheating probably didn't come out exactly right. And like I think I tried to say there, I'm not saying building your character very, very well is cheating. It's not. 
it can cause problems, but we went into that there. And anyway, this is kind of, I think, though, the, in the character progression is kind of where the things get stuck in my throat, so to speak. Um, I hear a lot of people talk and you see stuff on online. And, and this is, I don't mean to point fingers, but this seems exceptionally prevalent in the D&D, Pathfinder, etc. communities. Where, oh, it's the this build, the that build. You take this option at this level and that option at that level and blah, blah, blah. You know, if that's how you want to do things and that's how you have your fun, good for you. Right. But I'll tell you what that reminds me of. That reminds me of my raiding days in World of Warcraft. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say is that, like, so it's kind of funny that, like, we've gone full circle. So tabletop RPGs influenced video games for video games to influence tabletop RPGs. It's very much like hanging out online and reading about anything to do with the big D&D is like, oh, well, what build are you running? Or what's where did you put your specs? Or, you know, what spells have you taken? It's like, that's not in in other games. That's not nearly as important as like, oh, tell me about your character. <laughs> well, right, and and I guess that's where I, I kind of wanted to talk about advancement a bit because one, I think that's one of the things that fifth edition D and D does rather poorly. I don't feel like there's a ton of meaningful choice past basically third level when you pick your subclass. Now, I have heard the argument made that they also have taken out pretty much all of the multi-classing restrictions, which is fair. Yeah, and then you end up, and and I'm sorry, and we can have a discussion about this in the in the Discord or whatever. But you have this current state where every build, where every character is encouraged, and if not required to multi-class. My entire table has multi-classed at this point. Mm-hmm. We hit level six, and they all went. Uh, you know what? I'm going to take a level in wizard. I'm going to take a level in warlock. I'm going to take a level in this. I'm going to take a level in that. And it's like, okay, that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. I'm not saying anything about it, but it's like, you guys are multi-classing in, I, I, I should have, I didn't want to do this, but I almost wanted to put a narrative reason why they couldn't multi-class in, but. Well, see, and I think that's the thing. And then I feel bad because it's like, you know, oh, well, I wanted to. All right. Well, (laughs) well, but I feel like to make a decision that big there should be some sort of narrative backing right. to that decision. I know for one of my players, there is narrative backing. Mm-hmm. One of my players was a, um, is currently a, um, uh, what do you call those? Grave cleric. Mm-hmm. And has been sort of on the outs with their deity for a while. And after capturing the lich that they captured he has now taken up the lich as his warlock patron which is hilarious because how many how many warlocks have their patron within arm's reach of themselves <laughs> so like if they if if his patron ever decides to give him a hard time he just smacks him around a little bit and <laughs> <laughs> that was i thought that was probably the coolest way to do that that i had ever seen Mm -hmm. like i want to multi-class into warlock and we just captured this lich so i'm just gonna you know bippity boppity boopity siphon off of him yeah 
which um, is which is funny and it's it's a good narrative reason for why but right. the other ones it's sort of like okay you multi-classed into wild magic surge surge sorcerer did you awaken and realize that you have sorcerer powers like what's how did you how does that work yeah and i think that might be his answer i asked him and he was like uh i'll get back to you on it. i'm like <laughs> okay <laughs> no and and i think i don't know I, I i know i would catch myself doing it um and it's hard not to especially if you're building a character that's coming in at a more advanced level but i remember the the first character i ever made for 5e was uh, a half orc paladin and uh, he's actually half dwarf half orc anyway um and i was originally tending that. what was that we're not going to acknowledge that <laughs> We're not going to acknowledge that he's a half hork, half dwarf paladin. Uh, well, yeah, it it kind of never went any more than on my character sheet in the game either, because uh, that just means that he is a a tall dwarf. That's all that means. <laughs> kind of yes, and by tall dwarf, I mean like average sized human, or a little shorter. I think he was like five foot two. But anyway. Uh, I was originally planning to go with the ancients. And then on his first adventure, he had a party member get killed by a shambling mound. Mm -hmm. And it felt right then to kind of switch paths and head for uh, the Oath of Vengeance. Mm -hmm. You know, wasn't the plan. And you know what I mean? But like, I, I guess the thing to me that that rubs me a little the wrong way is the, oh, this build, that build, where you've got this all planned out before any of the story. Yeah, that's... <laughs> but that's... A, I'll, I'll say this. That's part of, like, the D&D culture is around, you know, not necessarily the story, but the gameplay plays, like, the combat plays a pivotal part in the game itself. And it is in a lot of ways, a, a tabletop miniatures game and it, alongside a, a loose set of rules for role-playing. It's... Uh, I'm not trying to rag on it, because I do play it weekly, and I don't think it's a terrible game, but the fact of the matter is, is that I see it for what it is. It's a, it's a loose... It's a loose guise of, like, oh, here's some rules around role-playing, and then also here's a bunch of rules for combat. 90% of the books is combat, 10% of the books is role-playing. That's all there is to it. Mm -hmm. well, you've described it as the, the three pillars, where it's exploration, combat, and whatever, storytelling. Social. Social. And, yeah, sure, maybe they're there, but one of those yeah, well, pillars is, you've got you know, a freeway overpass pillar. You've got a steel beam and you've got a two by four kind of propped in there. Yeah. But, and, and like I said, for whatever reason that, that kind of rubs me the wrong way. And I don't know, like other games to me handle advancement a lot better. I don't particularly care anymore for level, eh, level based advancement all that much. I need to see an example of it that I need to see an example of it. That is different from what I've seen. That's a good way to say it, I think. Because I, I think I could get behind some level advancement if I saw an example of it where it isn't your standard Dungeons & Dragons style level advancement. Mm -hmm. Well, 
Yeah. And, like, and, and I'm not saying that again, I'm not ragging on the game. I do think it's a good game. I have fun playing it, but again, it's like, it does what it does. It does what it does. And yeah, I, I think, I don't think I'm completely out for level advancement. I think you could do level advancement a way that could be really interesting, but I think also you have to, maybe the answer to level advancement is requiring a narrative reason for level advancement aside from, Oh, congratulations. You just hit the next level. Like you would in a video game. Yeah. Like I almost want to run. And I was thinking about this the other day. I almost want to run Genesis with a, a level advancement system. How the heck would you do that? Um, I'm thinking you would, and and I know, I'm, I'll probably get the, the Genesis people are probably not going to be happy with what I'm about to say. But I'm thinking what you do is you just basically bank a bunch of XP, and every time you get to a 100 XP milestone, you go, okay, you get a level. And it's basically just 100 XP to spend. Okay, well, that's, okay, I see what you're saying. Rather than Rather than getting, you know, say, like, when we were playing Genesis, you would get maybe 25 a session, right? Right, right. Rather than doing that, you just go, okay, you don't get any this session, you don't get any next session. Maybe when something big narrative happens, you'll get like 150, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we're going to play, and we're going to play this, and then you're going to level up at some point. Like, you'll just, there will be a narrative reason, and the end of that session, you'll get like 150 XP to go spend. Okay, I, I get where you're going. Because I think that's part of my confusion with... Not not confusion, I understand how it works. It's just, it's a lot to manage on a, a especially weekly basis when it comes to a Genesis character. I can see that. And I think that would help me a little bit to be like... I think if it, at least if it helps me, I would be like, okay, um, I don't feel so lost here. I'm not constantly worrying about spending points and constantly worrying about how to how i'm spending my points or where i'm spending my points whereas like with taking longer breaks than that i think i could get behind. i don't know i'm sorry i'm derailing this conversation no 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 it's it's valid i think that's more of almost like milestoning the xp spends yeah i think that's uh, that's what i prefer anyways no no um but the thing is where to me that's okay when i'm talking level based xp i mean you go from second level to third level right right yeah no i and and genesis even if you do genesis like you're suggesting that's not the same thing to me at all because you still get to choose where the xp goes i mean yeah I, that's true I, I i wonder about like i don't know i don't know how to I have a thing in my head that I'm thinking, and I don't know how to get it across in words. Mm -hmm. So you keep talking, and I'll. No, no. I, um, <laughs> but you know, and and okay, now like Star Wars, you know, Genesis to me is is very free form leveling because you basically get to pick anything as long as you have the XP for it, and that can be very daunting. Other times, you know, I I have sat there and gone, well, I can't find anything that. I feel like my character wants. Right. You know, the, and, and not that there isn't stuff that would be cool to have, but like, you know, in the Genesis game we were playing, my character was 
very much a kind of mechanic pilot. And he was really darn good. But when it came down to like getting in a fight, you were probably better off having him build something out of a heap of junk and trying to drive over the bad guys than shoot them. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, don't, see, I mean, I'm stretching a little bit, but not a whole lot. That's where I end up making my mistake with Genesis is, be, or Genesis is because when I hit that situation, I then start taking XP and dumping it into, oh, I'll shoot gun better. And that may not be what my character like wants, but me as the player is like, I shoot gun better now. Like mm -hmm. I unga bunga that so bad. And I, it's just a fact of like, I don't do it out of like, Oh, cause I'm going to be the best player at the table. I do it because I'm like, man, this sucks. Every time we get into combat I'm sitting here going, mm, I can't hit nothing. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I like the XP spend leveling personally. I, I kind of like, I kind of like how, like, I have my gripes with actual Star Wars itself, but I kind of like how Star Wars does it where it has the skill trees, especially with the talent trees. Yeah. I think that's a lot less confusing in a lot of ways. I know that's almost weird to say, but... It's, it's less daunting. Yeah. I don't feel so overrun with options. And I know, like... Options are a great thing. I'm not, you know, lots of options is great. But I, as a person with the disabilities that I live with, have a hard time with executive decisions. <laughs> and so when I'm presented with a stack of options and told, I don't know, go wild, I don't, I don't know what to do. I literally do not have an answer to the question of what do you want to do now? Well, here's the thing. And I don't know if I've ever said this before on the show. I think I've said it in conversation. I understand why Star Wars uses the skill tree or the, the talent trees. Mm -hmm. And I understand why Genesis by default doesn't. Star Wars was built to emulate a very, very specific IP. Right. And so most of those talent trees are designed are to emulate something you see in that universe. Right. Genesis, on the other hand, was built as a toolkit to go do whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I, I completely, I understand where you're coming from. And I know you, you've said that to me in private. I don't know if you've said it on the podcast or not. And I, I agree with you there. The, the issue is, is that I just wish for myself that I had a few less options. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's nothing stopping you, though, other than, it is some work and requires some balancing and whatever fiddling. If you're doing a Genesis setting, make the skill trees, make the trees for yeah. your players careers. You could, uh, you, you would have to sit and cherry pick a list of, of talents. Well, here's the thing that I think it does though. And I think this is why it works so well in star Wars because those trees drive you in very specific paths it gives the game a little more focus. Right. And that's kind of, in a lot of ways, what I hear you saying you need is you need a little bit more focus. And so yeah. I think if they're done well, they can actually enhance a setting if the creator has the, you know, time and capacity to do so. Right. Yeah. I, again, and I've said this, you know, the last time we talked about Star Wars, I don't hate Star Wars and I'm not 
like I'm not like, oh man, screw Star Wars as a franchise, I'm done. But I'm not enjoying like I don't know. I think maybe I'm Star Wars out. <laughs> maybe I've mm-hmm. consumed too much Star Wars in the past couple years, and I'm just like, okay, I've had enough Star Wars. I would like a new story now. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I really like how Star Wars and Genesis plays. I just I know we go back a couple episodes and I was like, I don't know, maybe it's not the game for me. But I think it's more so that I'm like Star Wars out. And that's why I'm like, I don't know, maybe it's not the game for me because I'm just like, I'm just done with the universe for a minute. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't. yeah, I get that. Um, but yeah, so the XP spend to go back to, to advancement, I like that. That's how Cyberpunk oh, Red crap, does that's it. That's how we started. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about Star Wars. Well, but we got there in 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 uh, in our know, you know, know typical roundabout fashion. But you know, Cyberpunk Red also does XP spend leveling. Well, yeah, not leveling, but advancement. I don't feel as swamped though by Cyberpunk Red. Fair. And I I wonder if part of that's because and and this is just a fact is that Cyberpunk Red and Genesis are two very different games, obviously, but what I'm more so getting at in cyberpunk red, when you pick your class, say I'm going to be a med tech. I know what that means. And I know what I need to spend points on. And I know what I don't need to spend points on because it's pretty cleared out. Like I can spend points on anything, but I know what my job entails. And that's very clearly laid out in the book Mm -hmm. of like, you want to focus on these particular things and can you know you can focus on this stuff at another time or if you ever even get to it whereas a genesis it's all free form so it's like uh, uh you could you know maybe if you wanted to go in this direction you know you don't have to but you could yeah i mean you've got your career skills but that is yeah um but the thing i like about xp spend is it allows you to grow the character a bit more organically. Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree to that. I think that XP spend lets you grow into a character, whereas Milestone is very much, up, oh, ding, hit a level. Up, oh, ding, hit a level. Yep. Okay. These four skills go up by one. Yep. Uh, hit points go up by this many, you know. Bump, 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 bump. Yep. Um, you know, and, and so... I think for for general play, I think XP spend's probably my favorite. But the one that I'm actually very, very fond of is the way that Delta Green and to a lesser extent Call of Cthulhu do it. And and Delta Green systematically is kind of a refined Call of Cthulhu, I guess is a it's a way to say it. Um I think people who are really familiar with Call of Cthulhu find it a little bit off-putting because some of the things work a little differently and yada yada. But the way Delta Green does character advancement to me is just beautifully simple. If you make a roll on a given skill and you fail, you put a little check mark in a box on the character sheet next to the skill. Then at the end of the session, you go down through and for every check mark you have next to a skill, you add, and it depends on which version of the character sheet. Some of them are, I think you add one to the skill rating. Some of it's a D four minus one. I don't honestly know which one is current, but essentially you get better 
by trying to do something and failing, which I think is is a really cool way to do it. And for that type of game, I really like it. I don't know that it's that it's the greatest for say general more heroic role playing, but it's so beautiful for that because it basically reflects your character learning by you know learning from their mistakes. And that also means that as you get better at a given skill, it's harder to improve. Much like, you know, if you and I want to get better at basketball, it's going to be a whole lot easier for us to get better relative to where we are than it is for, say, LeBron James to get better relative to where he's at. Right. Yeah, I, I get that. I think it's interesting. I, I Yeah, I think it's interesting. Yeah, I think Call of Cthulhu does something similar, but theirs involves... You then have to make a roll. I it involves two or three steps, and it's really convoluted and weird. And like a lot of things between Delta Green and Call of Cthulhu, Delta Green just went, "Yeah, we don't need all that. Just do this, and then do this with it." Right. Well, I, I mean, twenty twenty did that back in the day too. No, twenty twenty. It? It's IP improvement points. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. I tried to do something like that in that campaign we ran. Uh, okay. That was a you thing. All right. Yeah, that was a me thing, a not a, a system thing. Yeah, I, I tried a me thing at, at, in D&D, and it didn't work. I, I completely le- delegitimized an entire character's point. <laughs> I felt terrible for it. Yeah, that always kind of sucks when that happens. I uh, Just to make a long story short, I saw this thing on Twitter about um, making combat in Dungeons & Dragons a little bit quicker by not using armor class. So basically your players never rolled a hit. They just rolled damage. And then you take 10 minus the armor class. And that is, um, that is then applied. Whatever's left over is then applied as basically resistance. <laughs> it's to make combat flow faster. Mm-hmm. It's a great idea. It doesn't work when you have a, a, a particular character that's built around getting crits. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cause there are no crits. Yeah, that see that to me feels like here's a way to modify Dungeons and Dragons so you can play a game that isn't Dungeons and Dragons. Well, it, okay. So I'll say this as somebody who's run a lot of Dungeons and Dragons for big groups, that would work perfectly. That would be fantastic for running a group of like seven plus. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to do that because that game is simultaneously amazing for massive groups and terrible all at the same time because everybody ends up bored all of the time Mm -hmm. but it's built in a way that yeah you could have an infinite number of players well yeah you could have but uh you don't want to but with that particular combat system yeah if you had maybe 10 players everybody roll roll your damage all right you did this much damage let's move on like you're just booking through combat at that point Mm mm-hmm but that's just a different conversation. Any more thoughts on character advancement? We sort of talked about maybe narrative advancement a little bit. We talked about XP. We talked about milestone. We well, gri- like, griped about leveling. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I just think like to me, and, and again, I'm not trying to tell anyone how they should be having their fun, but I, I dislike games that tells me how I have to advance. So that's the one thing I'll say about in defense of Dungeons and Dragons, you don't have to advance the way like the game, the game itself doesn't tell you you have to do this. It's the 
community and other players around it that are saying, oh, well, if you're not doing it this way, you're not doing it right. And that's completely on people in the community that that don't understand. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's on people that are like, have been maybe playing the game for a while or haven't really been playing the game for a while, but are applying a video game mindset to it where the only right way to play the game is this way. You don't have to do that. You do not. You know yourself, you built a Dex Barbarian. Mm-hmm. Nobody on the internet is defending Dex Barb. <laughs> There's nobody out there going, oh, Dex Barbarian. Yeah, that's a great build. No, it's a terrible build, but your character fit it. So run it. Do what you need to do. And if your character does not, you know, doesn't get killed, then it was a successful build. And congratulations, you made a very interesting character that I don't think everybody could pull off. And that sort of mindset of like, oh, well, you have to do it this way. If anybody tells you you have to do it and it's not an actual rule for the game or a house rule at the table, you tell them to kick dirt. Like, (laughs) (laughs) no. But I I think where I was, and I get what you're saying, and I I agree. And yes, I, especially with the character you're referring to. Now, I built that character actually to replace my half-orc paladin who got killed. But yeah, I intentionally kind of went, okay, let's do something that's not supposed to work. And I had, I don't know, five, six, seven levels to play with and went, okay, I can narratively justify Barbarian with a couple levels of fighter easy enough. Um, Now let's just see what sort of absurd tomfoolery I can generate with this. And I end up with what my, my, the image in my head of this character was a halfling version of Robin Williams coming out of the portal in the first Jumanji, mixed with an element of Steve Irwin. Okay. So you've just got this crazy little halfling with like this tortoise shell shield, you know, who's just buzzing all over the place and basically really being a pest. Yeah. And that's basically what a Dex Barb would be. Yeah. And I took at some point I, I took the, oh, what's the, the feat that, and everyone thinks of it as the one that gives you an attack of opportunity when somebody's. Or you stop their movement when they go to take. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I don't know what the actual Sentinel. feat's called. Sentinel. That's it. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say set. It's. I was gonna say it sounds like Sentinel, and then I was like, no, that's not it. And yeah. <laughs> that's well, exactly what that is. That's the feat that I took, but I didn't take it for that reason. If you read further down in the feat, if you're adjacent to an enemy that makes an attack against anyone other than you that does not also have the sentinel feet you get the oppor- you get the chance to make an attack of opportunity at them so basically as a halfling you have really enhanced mobility so i could always get up next to the bad guy and basically he had to hit me or i could just keep poking him <laughs> <laughs> that's a good and way to because i had a high though. dex i was hard to hit right i was i think i was totem barbarian Oh, totem bard every day. So I was, even if you did hit me, it didn't hurt. No, totem barb every day, man. I, I don't understand. I, I, I honestly, I'll say this. I do not understand how bear totem made it through play testing. <laughs> I don't know, but we just accept that it did. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. 
I, that is just OP the, as all hell. Well, everything is, though. There's a lot of stuff that's OP as all hell. Action Surge is overpowered if you use it right. Okay, witness Talus and Jaffe. Critical yeah. Role Campaign 1. Yeah. I'll get four attacks this round, and if I have the two-handed weapon fighter, I get, like, actually, I get five. <laughs> oh, I'm uh, like a monk, except worse. Like, I'm like a monk, except maybe better, because I can hit. Like, it's asinine. I, I That game needed, like, another year in the oven, I swear. Uh, and even then, I don't know if they'd have caught it. Even then, I don't know if they'd have I been just, like, oh, we got it. I don't understand how that one specific aspect, it's just, it, it, I'm sorry, it's broken. It is, it is. And nobody talked, like, we just accept that it's broken. Dungeons and Dragons is broken in a way that I, I've, I've described it with another game. There's a video game called Warframe. Warframe is a, um, it has some PvP, but it is basically player versus environment. Mm-hmm. And Warframe is broken in the way of like, kind of like how Dungeons and Dragons is where every time a new thing comes out, it's just broke. It's just, this is the best thing ever. And the next thing that comes out will be better than this. And we'll balance around like the natural balance will just happen. That's rift broke. Well, but (laughs) D and D's kind of getting there too. Cause there's some new stuff that's come out. That's like, Oh, yikes. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. um but no where, where i was actually going with the telling me how to level thing is more that in D when you level okay you get um once you've picked your subclass if you don't multi-class every you know so many levels oh your uh proficiency bonus goes up by one so that means this skill this skill this skill you get better at doesn't matter if you haven't used that skill in six and a half years of game time you're just suddenly better at it Conversely, a skill you may have used the crap out of because it's not on your proficiency list, you don't get crap for. Yeah, and some of that's like, yeah, that's that sucks. But at the same time, I don't know how to, like, maybe could be avoidable. Well, I, I, I liked, yes, it was more bookkeeping. I like the 3-5 skill system. I think the 3-5, yeah, I agree. I I. Well, granted, my 3.5 exposure is not 3.5. My 3.5 exposure is Pathfinder 1E, which is 3.75. Okay, but I I have no actual exposure to to Pathfinder, but the way I recall skills working in 3.5 was you had what were, I don't remember if they were called class skills or career skills or what they were called, but you had skills that were cheaper for you to advance, but every level you got X number of points to put into skills However, you saw fit. Right. That I like. That's what I mean by telling me how I have to level my character. If I'm remembering right, and come at me if I'm wrong, but if I'm remembering right, that's pretty close to what Pathfinder did. Mm -hmm. Like there was maybe, if I remember right, there is maybe a little bit more restriction, and I could be wrong on that. It might be less. It might be even more open than 3.5 was, but Mm -hmm. I think there was maybe a smidge more more, uh, restriction on on what you were able to pick just in the in the because i remember as a kid being like this is great because i don't feel overwhelmed by my options whereas when we played a little bit of three five 
I felt overwhelmed by the options. And I want to mm-hmm. say Pathfinder was like, this is the same, but a little bit better because I'm not as like, oh man, I got everything to pick from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that's and it was like still this... a sizable list. Yeah. It's just, it's just not everything. But I feel like then you can make your character's advancement fit the story you've played through, fit their experiences. Right. right. Where I don't feel like the 5e advancement system lends itself to that. Not saying you can't mold it, but it's not as easy. I kind of agree with you, but I, again, two different games. Mm hmm. And, and I, I don't know. That's just where I'm at with that. I mean, like, yeah, I like I said, I'm I'm not telling anyone that that their brand of fun is wrong, but I don't, you know, if, if I wanted to build that perfect spec, I'm doing that in a game where it's about numbers manipulation, where it's about you know beating the algorithms. Like I said, that was, you know, I had, oh man, you know, I I rated to... with. I just want to, I just want to, I just want to tirade for a second. Okay. Cause you said beating the algorithms and my brain immediately went to how great would a paranoia game be with like the knowledge of what algorithms are now and how that like you run a paranoia game that the AI is based off of an algorithm. Oh my God. That game would be amazing. There you go. Sorry, I'm I'm I know I just threw like a like an entire plot out to the to the ether, but I just that hit me and I was like, my God, if if the AI in paranoia was like my TikTok for you, Paige, I I would be done. <laughs> That'd be such a short game. It wouldn't even it would be like we know exactly what you're thinking. Now quit or we're gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs> No, but that's see, like I said, that to me that was that was what I did the years I spent raiding in World of Warcraft. Fair, you know. Yes, you for those purposes, you're trying to build the most effective character you can. You know, be it you know when I was building my hunter as a DPS character or my prot warrior as a tank. You know, yeah, that. But I. I didn't play World of Warcraft for the same fix I get from a tabletop role-playing game. Fair. Fair. Um, Well, okay. Any final thoughts on this subject? No, I think that's that's probably about where we're at. Do you want to go on to something else, or do you want to just... I I think we're just going to wrap up, and that's something else we had talked about before. We will do probably next episode on. Okay, yeah, do that sometime soon anyway yeah we could do that at least soonish and that way it's it's we have you know it'll be three episodes sort of connected to each other in, in some way yeah in a in in, a, in the best way we can <laughs> mm-hmm. and and we even get to end with andy bits yeah we get to end with andy bits you get to listen to me talk about the 24 hour le mans for a little bit <laughs> <laughs> um but with all that being said let's move on to game of the week Woohoo! Game of the week. Game of the week. Game of the week. I have a game. Okay, Steve has a game. Yep, my game is called Public Access. It's by The Gauntlet. 
Uh, it's a collaborative effort of a bunch of writers, artists. Um, it is a... Uh, how familiar are you with the genre of analog horror, Steve? Probably not. I would say I've not heard the term before. Okay. So analog horror exists in this, you know, day and age as a... Okay, the first time I was introduced to it was um, a bunch of of these tapes that are these videos that were released to YouTube uh, that were meant to look like old instructional tapes. Okay. Basically advising against doppelgangers. I don't remember what the actual thing was called, but it was this like sort of scary, like seemed too real to be fake type thing. And analog horror exists in this world of like pre-digital everything's kind of VHS tapes or like old TV broadcasts. You know, it's all this like um, like it says, it's analog relaying media to you through maybe uh, radio broadcasts or um, I think the the one of the and I could be wrong and I correct me if I'm wrong. But I think one of the pioneers in this is Welcome to Night Vale, where Welcome to Night Vale sort of feels like a radio broadcast of a town that everything's going wrong with. That's kind of an analog horror type thing where it's like, this isn't digital. This isn't a video. It's all implied. It's all in your head. Or for the most part, it's in your head or you think it's in your head. And it's you're, you know, watching a video that's portraying images that are scary in a way. Okay. Uh, so anyways, this is a Powered by the Apocalypse game that is based around analog horror. Um, Public Access is a tabletop role-playing game about a group of people in 2004, known as the Deep Lake Latchkeys, who find themselves investigating strange mysteries in and around the town of Deep Lake, New Mexico. It was home to a notorious Public Access show called TV Odyssey. It just it's It's around this weird TV show that wasn't didn't make much sense and you know it's kind of a neat like it's a neat idea that i've been playing with and trying to figure out how to play something with for a while now and i'm kind of curious to know how this does it so is this kind of like a like a almost like a found footage blair witchy kind of if the found footage was like uh if the found footage was like a public access bigfoot show where it shows a video of Bigfoot mauling a dude. Okay, okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. found footage is, like, the uh, implied that you found this tape, and it's, like, you watching it, and, you know, like Cloverfield, right? Cloverfield was supposed to be this, you know, you found this tape, and, and you're gonna watch it, or Blair Witch, or any of that stuff. But this is more along the lines of, like, you found an old... TV broadcast of this one particular incident, it's all kind of based around the idea of like in the like late 80s, there was a guy that hacked into a TV broadcast station and put a bunch of weird messages across dressed as Max Headroom. I don't know if you ever heard that story. I've heard a little of it, but not yeah, I they, don't know it's a ton of it. Literally called the Max Headroom incident. What happened was a guy figured out how to get into um I don't know if he I don't, I don't know whatever figured out about this, but basically he figured out how to get into the broadcast 
airwaves and like mm-hmm. put a bunch of pirate video over of him mm-hmm. dressed in Max Hedrum attire doing weird stuff. Um, but it's kind of that idea of like, this is maybe a, a bootleg TV show that shouldn't exist. Or this was just something weird that aired on public access in the middle of the night. Okay, okay. I get what do you so sort of this get is what I'm... sort of modern modern folklore come real. Um in it could way. be. In in some ways it could be. It doesn't have to be that, but it, it it's that's the vibe I get from reading this preview. Let's put it that way. Fair, fair. It, I, I think it could be that. I think um it's probably, yeah, that's probably not too far off of a description for it. Welcome to me okay. and Steve Talk RPGs, where Steve struggles to describe what no, <laughs> analog I, and, and is to someone. Get me, don't get me, the, the description of this game sounds really cool. Yeah. And I think for I, your I, brain in particular, this would, you could do a lot with this. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that. Um, I think the thing I would be interested in is if they have, and I haven't seen anywhere that says that they do. I wish it had like a media component to go along with it. Um, but that makes it a much less replayable game. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a topic for some point uh, to talk about games that have like other components to them and how that makes them less replayable. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a different topic for a different day. Yeah. No, definitely it, something yeah to this check is out. the same people who did Brindlewood Bay. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. No, it, it, like I said, it does sound really freaking cool. It it, it, it it definitely seems it. Um, But that's mine for the week. And again, that is public access. All right. Well, um, the one I had picked out kind of fits in with that a little bit. As everyone knows, I'm a uh, big fan of Ken and Robin talk about stuff. <laughs> and one of the games they constantly refer to on that podcast is one that, oh, gee, shock, one of them wrote, that being Robin Laws, wrote a game called The Esoterrorists, which... I haven't thought about The Esoterrorists in a minute. Well, they actually put out a second edition of it um, a while ago, I guess. And as The Esoterrorists, I, I feel like, is Delta Green writ large. <laughs> um, It's... So... First off, this uses the gumshoe system, right? Which, which I'll I'll attest for the gumshoe. It's fantastic, man. I love that system for investigation. It is amazing. Oh, it does nothing but investigation. Do not get it twisted. It barely does combat. Um, I'm curious to see now. Swords of the Serpentine is a kind of fantasy version of it, and I, I'm. A, curious about that in that regard but it's an investigative system gee wonder gumshoe hmm a big shock there but <laughs> the the premise behind the esoterrorists is that your party your players characters work for this organization called the ordo veritatis which is this well even as described in the the listing on drive through is a benevolent global conspiracy so, not that far off Delta Green, except it would appear to be run by well-intentioned philanthropists or something. And I'm guessing Ordo Veritatis sounds to me something like the Order of Truth, if you translate it from something or other. I don't know. My Latin isn't that good, or whatever yeah, that would be. 
that's my understanding of Latin is uh, <laughs> order of truth. Verita, yeah. That, like I said, that that would be my guess as to what that translates or loosely translates to. Right. Um, but like you know, I mean, there are skills like bullshit detector, <laughs> which I think is just great. Right. But no, so, that's a legitimate skill that some people just have. Some people mm-hmm. can just stiff right through it. But so the premise of this game is your elite investigators combating the what they call the esoterrorists, which are basically occult terrorists intending on tearing the fabric of the world. And so I feel like in, in, in some ways it's Delta Green, but a little less combatty. I feel it's this Delta Green before the agents are dispatched. Like, this is Delta Green, like, this is Delta Green when they're just trying to deal with the situation and not trying to f- send full-on investigative agents to be like, go cover this up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the other thing about it is that it's because it's, it, you can take it international much because... Delta Green agents inherently work for the U.S. government. Therefore, you have jurisdictional yada, yada, yada. If yeah, you want you to could. go that route. You could get around A lot that. of people just hand wave it, but... That's sort of what I'm driving at, is you could just hand wave it. But, you know, I mean, Gumshoe is freaking great. It is, isn't it? It's such a great system. Laws is it's such freaking a amazing. Yeah, like... This is all of the pieces here. It's like one plus one plus one equals three. All right. Yeah, sure. You know, let's go. <laughs> I mean, Ugh. PDF will set you back 15 bucks. I'm sure if you go on the Pelgrane website, you can probably order it in, in print. Um, I, I, I don't know what they have in stock, what they keep in stock, uh, et cetera. Um, you know, comes with uh, an example scenario in the book. Books about 160 pages. But just, boy, I, I, and there's a ton of, of support stuff out for this too. Oh yeah. There's fact books. There's, there's all sorts of, you know, adventures. You shake a stick out and it, it exists for this. Yeah. And, and I mean, as much as I love Delta Green, I kind of want to mess with this just because I feel like it, it's the call of Cthulhu I want in the modern day. Right. Where I like the the kind of militaristic agency structure, you know, the kind of x filesiness of Delta Green. Mm-hmm. This kind of takes it into the kind of every man scenario that Call of Cthulhu itself is built on. Yeah, I think this is really interesting. I'm I'm all about this. I'm glad I got a second edition. Uh, uh, any final thoughts? I no, it's just like I said, the ESO terrorists, uh, ESO terrorists. There'll be a link in the show notes, like we always do. Yeah, I I wanted to point something out. Um, I think Hagen came into our Discord looking for it the other day. If you follow any of the links in our show notes, it does add a browser, um, or it doesn't add a browser extension. It adds an extension to the uh, URL of that particular game what that does is it gets us a little bit of a kickback so we can pick up some of the games that we talk about on here mm-hmm. um it doesn't give us a lot of money it doesn't do anything crazy like that we just get a little kickback you know from no, every like game five percent 
yeah, it's it's not much at all, but it is enough to help, you know, fund us picking up cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it just, you know, like, look, we, it's, you know, drive through, you know, because we, we mentioned the stuff on the show, you know, you ask them, they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll let you have this link. And to be completely honest, uh, <laughs> half of what we've earned has been from my own purchases, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I just I, I I don't know if our audience really I don't think we ever really shouted that out. No, maybe we, don't. we did once. But I wanted our audience to be aware that, you know, if you want to help the show out and maybe you can't join the Patreon, but you're picking up a tabletop RPG, uh yeah. if you're buying it through drive through, use our little extension link and yeah. and it'll help, you know, that gives us yeah. a little kickback. And if you're on our Discord, which by the way, I kind of messed with things if you go to the main feed page for our podcast up at the top, or if you're on your phone over on the little menu bar on the side, if you drop it down, you can go directly to our discord or our Patreon from there. There you go. That'll be great. And where I was going with that is uh, if you just want to link to drive through with the affiliate code attached, it is pinned in the announcement section of our discord. Yes. Yeah. Um, after being asked about it <laughs> and realizing that. Well, I knew uh, I had put it somewhere. I just had to well, find I, it. So that's what I do too. It's like, uh, 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 it's here somewhere. I just, I just don't know. I know I'm not the most active person on our discord, but I'm always watching. <laughs> I'm always a serial lurker. Yeah, I am a serial lurker. I see what you people say about me anyways. <laughs> Meanwhile, I probably have a quarter of the posts in our Discord in total. I know, I know. I'm terrible. Yeah, that's life. But uh, yeah, as we mentioned, though, um, links to everything are in the show notes, including our drive-through affiliate link, including, or well, including the games with the drive-through affiliate link, including our Patreon, which we talked a little bit about. We do have a Patreon. If you feel like you want to throw us some schmeckles, throw us, you know, a couple bucks, I'd appreciate it. Steve would appreciate it. Helps cover our hosting. Helps cover our, you know, little expenses. We go on trips every now and again. That helps with that. Also, our Discord, which if you're not in our Discord, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you not in our Discord? Why have you not downloaded Discord and joined Discord? Like, if you are only on one Discord, be on our Discord. We have a great community over here. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it's like, man, most of the time within seconds of a question being asked, there is an answer. I can't mm-hmm. say it's the right answer, <laughs> but there is an answer. Yeah, um, I've got a lot of really knowledgeable people with various different things. I mean, there's the GURPS Mafia crew. Yeah, the GURPS Mafia is here. Uh, they've set up and taken up residence of one whole ch- one whole page. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, we tease them, but they're good people. Um, you've got a bunch of good Genesis people you know, always looking for more people into more stuff just because, Hey, we can all learn from each other. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's a good community. We do kind of run a a pretty nice ship over here where everybody gets along with everybody for the most part. And if not, I beat them with old shoes. Yeah. Um, Facebook, Twitter, you know, those both exist. If you want to follow us there, you can follow us there as always. We want to remind everyone Uh, to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. 
intro and outro music by the band 12 noon you can email us at me and steve rpg at gmail.com you can find us on twitter and rpgs find us on facebook at me and steve rpg podcast on discord at me and steve rpgs and as always all of these links are in the show notes thank you and be kind to one another How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that.